and welcome to the Money Magic Podcast with Pangile Makwakwa. This is the podcast where we talk about trauma and how it affects our finances and our lives. I help women of color unlock ancestral wisdom so they can fall in love with their bank accounts, increase income, and live their best lives. This podcast was birthed when I started having conversations with private clients and students in my online courses about the remarkable shifts they'd had in their finances and started receiving feedback and updates from people on how these conversations were helping them understand their family dynamics and financial behavior. I've seen how unlocking ancestral wisdom has helped me pay off $60,000 in debt, buy property, launch and grow my company Wealthy Money into a six-figure business in US dollars as I travel and live in various countries on the globe. I've lived in over eight countries and traveled to many more as I built this company. My intention with this podcast is to provide you with weekly episodes that help you understand the importance of healing and help you understand your relationship with money better so you can start making different financial decisions and creating a life you love for yourself and future generations. So without further ado, let's get started and dive into this week's episode. How are you? I'm taking off my glasses because they're reflecting. Welcome to today's episode of the Money Magic series. I think this is episode 21 or 22. Oops, I know I should have checked before I started this. But my guest today is Yanga and my name is Vangile Makwakwa. If you've just joined I do this Money Magic series with my clients and with students, asking them about their journey around working with me, what they've learned about money, what they've learned about money trauma and ancestral trauma. And what I do is I help women of color heal ancestral money stories so that they can fall in love with their bank accounts, increase their income, and live their best lives. So without further ado, let me welcome Yanga, our guest for today. Hello, Yanga. How are you? Thank you for having me. <laughs> I am super excited to have you. Like, I cannot believe that I've actually sat down with about 20 students and clients just talking about money and ancestral trauma. And it just, it has been wow to me. So thank you for saying yes to this. I mean, thank you for doing that work because, um, I mean, the value that I've been able to extract just from watching the interviews and learning from what other people have learned from their own journey has honestly been incredible. So thanks to you. Yeah, hey, and that's the thing. It's like you're learning from people who are on this journey, knowing where they started and then seeing where they are and them sharing their stories. I personally, I don't know about other people, but personally, 
I believe, I love hearing people who are on their journey and like listening to stories from real people on the journey doing the work because the insights are so profound. Sometimes when you're already out there and you've already like shifted and transformed so radically and you're really at the top, there's so many things that we don't get to hear like real life about what's going on in the trenches on the journey. <laughs> because, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's so much value because it's almost as if it's added extra bonus on top of just like the course itself that you do um, from you. And I mean, the fact that we have a, a community, you know, of women of color whom you can yeah. then go um, to the fa private uh, Facebook community that you've created. Yeah. To just have discussions is just, it's honestly very special to have as well. Yeah, I feel that way, even though like <laughs> technically I created the community, but it's not me that makes the community, right? It's these incredible souls and these women who are like, I want to have a conversation. I want to share this journey with others. So Yanga, without further ado, who are you? How would you describe yourself? So um, I like to describe myself as just a daughter, a sister and a friend, first and foremost. And then um, in terms of what it is that I do, I am a partner in a geology and mining services consulting firm. And um, I'm an international award-winning uh, social entrepreneur. And my real, real passion is working with women, mostly, um, in villages, helping them create and start sustainable businesses using uh, the resources that they have at their own um, disposal within their communities and also just taking into account the problems that they have in the community and helping them create solutions that can bring them profits and help them sustain their families. Mm -hmm. Wow, this is amazing. But I also know that through your journey, you've become a coach, right? So can you tell us what led you to that? What led you to coaching? And also your focus is on not good enough, the not good enough wound. Why that particular wound? Okay. So um, what I was actually about to say just before you asked the second question was um, <laughs> I'm a coach and I hold space for women of color to feel seen, valued, yeah. rest and balanced. Um, yeah. And what led me to start coaching, geez, um, <laughs> so layered for me. But my journey to heal my own pain and my own suffering was mm. so I suffered um, a lot of abuse from my mother, yeah. physically, verbally, when I was a child, just like from the age of five, um, really up until my adulthood. Um, I was humiliated a lot. She shouted at me a lot. Um, she beat me up a lot. Um, I had a loving and present father, but um, I really just craved the attention and validation of my mother. And I mean, mm -hmm. growing up as a child, 
um, the stories that you told about what relationships with mothers need to look like mm. were different to what um, I was experiencing at home. Mm. And I was just carrying the shame and the darkness and the sadness, um, even as a kid, from those experiences. So um, later on in my adulthood, it really just became worse and worse. Um, and I became suicidal. I had probably attempted to commit suicide at least three times by the time I was in the Um I started drinking a lot to try to cope with the pain. Um, yeah. It was really dark. I didn't see why I needed to exist because it just felt like there was a void within me. And there was really no point in me being alive. And I remember um, a time when um, my dad passed away in 2015. And mm. that was a few conversations around distributing the estate and even just sharing the estate itself, you know, and that was devastating to me. Mm. However, it's oh. Wait. Sorry, Yanga, we're losing you sound-wise. You. Okay, so we just lost a little bit. Can you please repeat about the distribution of the estate? So um, in 2015, I lost my father. And again, um, I was just excluded from conversations around the distribution of the estate. Yeah. I was um, also just excluded from the actual distribution, never mind the conversation. Yes. Um, and no really told me what happened but I was aware that certain children in the family had um, benefited and obviously yeah. this really led me to really believe that surely I didn't matter you know and my life yeah. didn't matter sure. and it was a really dark place yes. and yeah and I really didn't know how to pull myself out of it later mm. that year by the grace of God I read a book um, I think it's Dimples and Eye Bags by uh, the book by Bonnie, yeah, by Bonnie Mbuli, yeah. And um, I mean, in the book, the author described a very similar, I saw some of my experiences in the book. And yeah. when she spoke, having referred um, her to, or suggested or uh, her to go see a, a therapist and then yeah. receiving help by a psychiatrist with like medication and then starting to do um, some work and feeling better. Mm -hmm. I, for the first time, felt like there was hope, like there was a lifeline. And this yeah. is after um, getting therapy and actually just started hiring coaches to work with and started yes. really searching um, all the information that they were telling me about what I was experiencing. And I was just learning more and more about it. And then ultimately, wow. Decided that I want to do this work and that's why specifically the not good enough wound because um, that is the wound that I've spent so many years just trying to work through and I've yes. just realized that shape forms and ways it tends yeah. to show up for black women um, yes. in our yes wow so Yanga your story is wow I feel like you're going to just like just this interview is going to touch so many women. 
I actually resonate with your story of just like a mom who is abusive emotionally, verbally. I resonate a lot with public humiliations, you know, like my failures being published to everyone. If I did anything wrong, everyone got to know about it. And the aim, like most times when my mother did that, wasn't necessarily to educate me or get me to change my ways. It was literally to humiliate me. So I learned to live life in two ways. One way is hide every imperfection, right? Mm -hmm. Hide every mistake, run, like make Mm -hmm. sure that she never knows what, if I do anything wrong, because that is so dangerous and so unsafe. And it leads to this, public humiliation. And the other part is it just taught me to invisibilize myself, you know? So I resonate so fully with why your work is around the not good enough wound and why the aim of healing not good enough also leads to um, this visibility to allowing ourselves to be seen. So, Can you take us a little through your journey of healing the not good enough wound? What were some of the things that you realized? Like, how was it playing out in various facets of your life? Because some of us are walking around with the abuse and we think we can just pray it away. That's what I hear a lot of people say, like, I'll just pray it away, make me a better person, God, take it away. And why doesn't that work, you know? So, wow, let's have that conversation actually, yeah. (laughs) I cannot forget this day. Um, You shared a resource on YouTube where there was a lecturer who was explaining trauma in a way that just sent like daylight to me. And um, I have to say, guys, join Bangile's group because um, (laughs) of course, all of these resources there, right? So anyways, on the group, um, you shared this resource and I remember watching it and there was this lecturer who was talking about trauma and how there are trauma cycles. So whenever you are in a situation or you have a traumatic experience, if you don't come back to complete the trauma cycle and then um, how you can do that is a different conversation. But if you don't come back to complete it stays open. And then years going by it doesn't close if you don't come back to revisit that bit of trauma and closing that cycle and what happens then that I really felt like that it made so much sense why although I was a 30 year old or 29 year old at the time yeah I still was absolutely behaving as the scared um Mm. seven year old really learned how to survive by being unseen, you know, just sitting down, saying nothing, not yeah. trying to be way, not trying to disagree with anyone. Yeah. And it, it, I feel that that's why it's so important to specifically do this work because unless you go back to that trauma cycle and you mm. do the work to, you cannot shift. Yes, yes, I really, really agree with that because. All that's happening is most of us are still stuck in the trauma. So you're growing up, your physical body is growing up, but your subconscious is still like in survival mode. It's like, 
we, at least for me, what I know is that I would had a difficult time allowing someone into my life, like allowing people into my life really closely, especially to know certain things about me, because oh, what if they find out these things and then they'll make them public and actively humiliate me. So now it won't be humiliating on a small scale because we are in the age of social media. It's going to be on a larger scale, right? So it's huge. And how did you see, how did the not good enough wound start to impact your finances, even uh, your relationships with other people? How did it play out for you? I think that the biggest thing for me was that uh, in terms of my relationships, I also um, experienced quite a similar thing to what you described. Mm. Um, like I say, that like even from the age of seven already, I had mm. learned to like seven-year-old, six-year-old friends about yes. what my was like or about what my holidays were like because sure. I, I couldn't be the only child to say that I had experienced a holiday where I was beaten up, I couldn't remember, um, mm-hmm. I was closed in the room, or, or that sort of thing. And yeah. um, it was taboo to say yes. anything about, because I think the first t- few times you try to tell the truth, and then you realize that people's reactions mm. aren't, like, people are like, how can you say that about your mother? So yeah. then you really start to lie about not only that, but you start to omit and twist and tweak. Personally, yes. that's what I went through. So yes. experience certain parts of me and my yeah. life yes. so that I could be accepted. Um, yeah. that, that, so I really was living in a place of inauthenticity because I could mm. not accept myself, that's one thing. But I also was at a place where I believed that I needed to perform a certain state of being in order to be worthy of acceptance from others which is what yes. I have learned um, from home. Yeah. And unfortunately, that goes hand in hand with creating money. Um, yeah. So good because um, once you become yourself and mm-hmm. once you tell your story, it is so ironic how many people want to work with you because they resonate with that. Yes. And is, but the also not only just that, but like the value that you're able to give to people by sharing yeah. I mean, um, yeah. where someone shared her story so vulnerably, and it helps yes. you. Yes. And yeah. I, by really just owning who we are, there's value in that. Yes, because yes. Boardroom, <laughs> I could not negotiate pricing. Um, mm. If I what the value is, and if the next person in the boardroom is like, okay, no, we're not going to give you that, we're going to give you this. That was where the conversation would end. Because yeah. I just, I don't even think I felt I was worthy to be paid um, for the value of, the full value of my services. You know, yeah. and I was constantly doing free work just so that people would like me. Yeah. Or that I needed to constantly be doing things for other people at my Yes. Point. Yes. But that is so, I love that you just mentioned that because the core of the not good enough wound is that, is that constantly giving free stuff, constantly doing free work, constantly needing to be validated because the greatest fear is that 
I mean, we already have this belief that we're not good enough. So the greatest fear is that now other people will validate it. And it's not just our mothers that tell us that we're not good enough. It's now the world is going to tell us and that's going to make it true. So yeah, I also struggled with that. It was so, so scary to just give people my pricing and to just say no. No was one of the hardest things because no meant that I wouldn't be liked. And if I'm not liked, then I'm not good enough. My entire thing was constantly trying to get validation externally because there is such a deep trauma to especially when a parent rejects a child in some way and hurts them and like literally hurts them from for being themselves. Like that was that is has always been the biggest challenge with my mother is that who I am is not someone that she can resonate with or understand. So it has always been, if you can't change her, humiliate her, make her feel bad, right? And I resonate with that so deeply, what you said about, you couldn't tell adults what was going on. And even adults within our own families are observing this, but nobody wants to say, listen, it's not okay to beat her. Like there was a time when my mom beat me so badly. I was so bruised and I went back to school and my ear was like completely messed up. I couldn't hear out of one ear and I couldn't tell anyone at school what was happening. And then how this all stopped eventually was I got to high school in grade eight and she beat me and slapped me right before I got to school. Like we were actually late because of that. And then I told the whole school and I tried to get her arrested. And that was that for me. You know, like we have such an intense history, my mother and I were like, I brought cops, everything. And I must've been like 13 and I started fighting my own battles. You know, and I think that's what abuse and not good enough does is like, when you've been that intensely abused, is that even as a 13-year-old, I shouldn't have had to be dealing with cops. By the time I was 14, I got myself into a psychology program. I got myself a psychologist. I figured out that there was something wrong and that I needed a psychologist and I signed up for it and my dad paid for it. So there's like all these things that we end up doing where you're not an ordinary child and you're learning how to hide this from everybody else. And then you live most of your adult life like that. So, hmm. Wow. Oh, it, 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 it's so bad that for me, I also realized that it has a further link to money and how mm. I hate around money and why it is that I felt like I always need to work for money. I need to work not only just for the approval, but money to meaning safety. Yes. As soon as I it meant that I had the security to leave. And yes. whenever I want, I remember deciding, like I remember making that decision as a child because whenever um, she felt threatened as if I could expose her or whenever um, I wanted, because sometimes on several occasions, I actually ran away from home. When she got very bad, run away, go to friend's house, run away, or go to one of my family's house and not even tell them. I'd be like, no, guys, I'm here to visit and have a lie so that they don't take me back home. Yeah. And 
um, on, on, on these many occasions, I realized that, oh my gosh, so one, my one way ticket out of this place is to make my own money. Yes. When I start to make my own money, she will have absolutely no hold over me because she was just like, yes. well, if you don't get away, I'm, who's going to pay your fees? Who's going to feed you? Who's going to mm. you at the home? So I was just like, that's why I need to make money. Yes. I always have to be making money because yes. I cannot not. Because if I'm not making money, I will be subjected to that sort of treatment, to yep. that sort of victimization. So, I mean, the oh. story created and the value that I've put on money or itself has also been yeah. informed by trauma. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, by the time I was 17, I had a job, had enrolled myself into UCT, had my own apartment. I was living in Cape Town in my own apartment. And then by the time I was like 19, I held down three jobs, including an office job. You know, because of that, it was like, do or die. I am never going back to that situation, whatever it takes. And I remember thinking, even if it means I have to sleep on the streets in Cape Town to get this degree, I am not going back because the trauma is so intense, right? And I don't know about you, but I know like coming from an abusive background and also the not good enough story, it's just like, you're always on edge, you know, especially with a mom that is, I mean, any parent, it could be any adult that is constantly abusive. It's like so difficult to relax. I still, till this day, you know, some of the Money Magic students know this, I share in the student group, but I still wake up in the middle of the night, like with panic attacks and have to do breath work and EFT tapping because I am so Scared, like my inner child is so terrified of my mother. Till this day, with all the work I do, I mean, now it's definitely lessened. It happens maybe when I'm super triggered, then I can't calm down. Then my coaches get me to calm down. Um, and then I go to acupuncture as well. My acupuncturist says she can see from my body. This is what's so crazy, right? My acupuncturist looked at my body and she said, have you gone through intense abuse, especially childhood abuse? And I said, yes, how can you tell? And she said, there are points in the body that are deepened because it's like my body has been doing this for so long, has been crouching for so long. So there are points on the tummy where they can see that like you've been trying to protect yourself for years. And that comes from consistent years of abuse. So we've been working on healing my body and helping those points just be normal. I used to think that was normal, by the way. So, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, I was sharing not so long ago that when I started doing this work, mm. I could be, um, I, was, I thought I had a severe IBS problem. Mm. Sorry. I thought I had a severe IBS problem and that I probably uh, just needed to like, I mean, I relied on laxatives so much. I at least yeah. had to take a tea bag of Senna. Um, yes. Like, tea before bed or in the morning just to help regulate my system. And I didn't realize that that, too, was a side effect of childhood yes. trauma. So, 
I really do agree with you in, in, in that um, you feel it in your body. And I mean, I used to have these back pains, like that would come from the top of my spine, just right to the, the, my tailbone. And I never knew, I, I suspected, okay, was it years of carrying my backpack when I was at school with all your yeah. sports uniform and your files, everything? And it yeah. only opened, uh, registered to me that it's been that trauma. It's really just been stuck in different places in my body. Yes, yes. It is that intense. And I also want to stress that actually when I talked to my acupuncturist, she said she didn't know if it's verbal, emotional or physical abuse. She just knew it was some type of abuse. And she said, the body registers it the same, you know, like you try to protect yourself the same. So sometimes parents are not beating their kids, but the words they use are so violent that it lands as violence on the body. And it's like the child has to protect themselves and the body starts to change. I mean, when she said that and she could like literally just from reading my body, almost trace when this abuse started, the prolonged abuse, I was just like, wow. So the body tells a story and like, uh, a lot of uh, people that do like acupuncture and other somatic work can almost see in the body. Like she was saying that for some people, some acupuncturists are so advanced just by the way you're walking, they can tell the kind of trauma that you carry because it changes the way that we walk, the way that we carry ourselves, right? And I know from trauma-informed uh, yoga specialists, they've also said that it's, I mean, like, wow. So trauma is very, very real and it lives in the body. And these stories, and I love how, you talk, how we're talking about like how this constant abuse of a child eventually leads to this not good enough wound, especially from a parent, you mm -hmm. know? So, wow. Thank you for sharing that, Yanga. I wanted to also um, get into the other stuff. We'll keep coming back to not good enoughness, right? Because I think this is the, I feel like almost every interview has a common thread that is set by the guest, not me. <laughs> but I wanted to know, what does money mean to you now? I know um, as a child, money meant freedom, and I resonate with that a lot. Uh, but has that changed now as you've gone on your healing journey? Um, well, it still does, to be quite honest to a big part because um, although my, I've restricted the amount of access that my family has to, to me now. So um, to protect myself, I guess. Mm -hmm. But um, it still does mean that things of safety, security. I mean, I, I've, I, I've always vowed to myself that no matter what, yeah. I, that's not where I'm going, you know? Yeah. Um, but also, I think now I understand money in a different way because I, I like also just like having learned um, through, like I said, some of um, the live classes that we hold, that everything is, is energy. I mean, I did a science uh, degree, so to some extent I understood that, but I didn't really understand that even money is an energy, yes. that you can achieve your vibration. Yeah. Right. 
Yes. So um, I understand money differently now. So it is generally an energy that we can exchange to um, obtain goods and services sometimes. And that's what it is. Yeah. In the wow. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with all that as well. Like, it's always so fascinating to me how money is different things to all of us. But I agree with money is completely freedom because without money, some of us would not have been able to leave some situations. And it's not just childhood abuse that money gives you freedom from. Sometimes as adults, we get ourselves into situations where having money can really be the difference between leaving now or staying and risking our lives for another year or two as we get ourselves in order. It's, it's such an important topic to have, especially in connection to abuse. I don't think that we ever really talk about it in the sense that like, yeah, um, so yeah, no. And I wanted to say, I also resonate with that Pardon? If I had money as a 14-year-old, 13, 14, I would have left. Yeah. I would have paid for that. I was actually quite responsible. You know, it, that whole experience taught me to grow up very quickly. Yeah. But the thing really was just that I did not have the resources to hold it down wherever. Yeah, yeah. And that's true for me too. Like I feel like <laughs> I remember being 14 and combing through newspapers to work in Iceland to try and get a job packing fish in Iceland. I was like, and they're like, no, you need parental guy, you need parental signatures for that. I was like, no, you don't understand. But it's so intense, hey? So I resonate with the money as freedom and money as energy now that I do this work. So uh, when, you, when did you start suspecting? Because you already knew that, oh my God, I need to get my money in order because money is freedom. But when did you start suspecting that there may be more to money than a budget, hard work, numbers on a screen? Um, yes, when did you start suspecting that money was more than just numbers on a screen, working hard and budgeting? In relation to what, Van? Sorry, uh, please rephrase the question. I'm sure I'm sure. Okay, so when did you start suspecting that your money story wasn't just about the money? That it was about, um, it wasn't about your budgeting. It wasn't about working hard. It was about so much more. Okay. So um, for me, I had generally just realized, okay, so I'd been, I'd, I'd been able to work for um, the money and let the money come in. That was good. Mm -hmm. uh, I was using money. As soon as it came in, I would spend it. Um, yeah. And I started to have issues with invoicing people but that was also just necessary almost it felt normal to me not to be yeah. able to ask for my money and True. not because it seemed as if it would upset people or it would inconvenience them in some mm. way and that's so i was like hmm, i'm not sure how to do this because i remember the first time i called you up before yeah. i signed up for uh one-on-one -on -one coaching yeah. i was just 
I've been sitting in bed for two days. Yeah. Okay, cool. Today I need to invoice clients, blah, blah, blah. And I would just be procrastinating. Yeah. Doing everything. So I take my shower. I start preparing to open my workstation. I do emails. I procrastinate, do everything else but the invoicing. And then I'll be like, okay, actually, I might need a nap. Close my curtains <laughs> and be like, yo. <laughs> didn't have the language for it. And I was just like, yo. Like, my heart would just do like a gadong, 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 gadong. Like, and I would just panic. Yeah. And I yeah. really didn't. I was just like, hmm, could this be something normal? But also just having a constant fear or like yeah. just constantly being scared because of the anxiety due to childhood trauma, etc. was yeah. almost a normal feeling for me. I was constantly just like anxious, scared the yes. entire time. What could happen? What could happen? What could happen? Yeah. So um, when that happened, I wasn't sure. But when I came across, um, when I found you basically online yeah. and um, I heard you speak about... Um, money trauma and i didn't hear much but i just heard you tell a little like I, the first time bef- um i don't know what i was doing and then all i heard was you telling narrating a story where you were sitting on the side of a pavement and yes. you could not have- i was like wait i need to listen to this lady what is she saying because i definitely <laughs> that what is she saying and then yeah. um I was like, so this is a problem you know mm-hmm. and there are people who know how to help you heal and deal with this problem. Then I was just yeah. like, okay, um, I've had an issue for a while. So I think another thing for me was that I had the problem, but mm. I just wasn't hearing anyone else talk about the death yeah. sort of thing. I was just looking around me and I was like, hmm, well, actually, let me keep quiet. And I wasn't reading any book, anything talking about um, resolving this type of issue. So it was mm. literally the first time where I had heard someone speak about an experience that was so similar to mine, but mm. also speak of the solution in such a different way that yeah. I instantly knew that it wasn't because I didn't know how to invoice. That was yeah. for sure. I knew how to computer. That was for sure. <laughs> yeah. I knew things, right? But yeah. then what was the issue? Yeah. Yeah. It is so deep that you say that, hey, because I think that's the thing. It's funny how many entrepreneurs come to me because I've actually written a blog post on the fear of invoicing and my story around that because it's so similar. It's like I would if I would. So maybe I would invoice after maybe like two weeks going back and forth and then I would never follow up with invoices. Because I didn't want to bother anyone. Because what if they get upset? Because what yeah. when we have the background that we have, what yeah. do we know? When adults get upset and get annoyed, they get violent. So it escalates. It's never resolved in a calm manner. So obviously when... So obviously it would be scary for my inner child or my inner team to want to follow up on the invoice or to want to send the invoice because what if I send the invoice and they see it and they get upset and annoyed and then they go violent and ham on me, you know? So that is one of the greatest fears. So most of us are not even aware because 
We have, like we've seen how asking for money within our families would make people go berserk. Oh my God, money doesn't go in trees. It would just escalate because money was a trigger for the adults in our lives. So now anything to do with asking for money is really, really scary, puts us in the most defensive and protective mode and leads to procrastination. It's not normal that it should unregulate our nervous system like that. I mean, it's so interesting because again, what something else that I'm thinking of as you um, mentioned this, I relate so much to this, was yeah. just the fact that um, I then could not, it got to a place where I could not, because I had learned in my childhood through this whole, um, through the abuse that I had sustained, was mm -hmm. that if I upset an adult, they can withdraw affection or attention from me, right? And as yes. a child, I really want that. Um, so if I am, by any slight chance, you know, I'm not agreeing with this person, they could do that. And for I didn't even realize until I started doing this work that, oh my goodness, there are times when I started uh, doing my own consulting mm -hmm. where you would people invite you on a project and get excited about this and this and this that they'd like you to do. This mm -hmm. is what the vision, blah, blah, blah. You buy into the vision. And I would never say, okay, guys, now that we've said all of that, let's get mm -hmm. the proposal. Let's see the numbers. How many hours? What are what? Mm -hmm. I would never do that, man. Yeah. I would and work and be at the mercy of whatever they gave me because I was so scared that they would even take away the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, of course, because what did your inner child know? What did your inner teen know? What had you known from the time you entered this life? Was this, was that if an adult is upset, they withdraw affection, they withdraw everything, they get violent. So, and also this comes from the not good enough wounding, right? It's like, I have to be just perfect to get the things that I want. And even if it's not what I want, it's better than nothing because I'm used to having everything taken away. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, it really, really affects us so deeply because I just know how much um, it holds you, it, it, it holds us back in that way. Um, I, mean, I remember working on a project with, um, with a then former colleague, you know, yeah. and the project, the project value was worth 65 million rand. Wow. And I was a colleague and we were co-project managing uh, the project. Mm. And we had so many sleepless nights during that time. And Vangilo, when I tell you, I walked away with 50,000 rand. No, no, younger. I cannot believe it because again, I was just so, I was just feeling so lucky to get that bit of attention to, to feel as if someone thought that I was worthy of being sure. here. Sure. Just that consideration so that the not good enough wound is such, it's so deep and it affects us so much, especially when we are trying to grow and expand financially as well. Yeah. Because we really make ourselves small and we really don't show up for us. Wow. Wow, Yanga. Yo, that is so deep, hey? Yo, I think what I'm getting from this story that you've just shared is that 
when we don't know our own enoughness, we will never, like how we show up is always going to be as in just thank you for giving me the opportunity. Even when you're given 10,000 rand, you know, out of 65 million, I mean, you were given 50,000 rand and that's just like, whoa. And I can imagine with the project of that magnitude, the amount of hours and the amount of work that went into it. But wow, this is why we have to heal because this, we, because the fear is so real though. Cause you at that, you years ago at that point would not like the trauma was so real, was so visceral that it really did feel unsafe to go in and renegotiate your fee. Like that felt too scary and unsafe, I bet. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm so grateful that I started doing this work with you, like specifically around money and around the trauma, yeah. because I then started to become aware yeah. of um, th this behavior when it comes up. And then yeah. not only that, but it started to heal some of just um, the trauma itself, you know, and mm. I started to feel assured yeah. in who I was and just in the fact that what if I am good enough? Like, what if I am, what if I'm enough, you know? And yeah. then how do I show up then? And yeah. um, it's, trauma is a wild trip. <laughs> trauma is a wild trip. Who I am, you know, the most beautiful thing for me is like having black women on the other end and other women of color, because it's just not, it hasn't just been black women, but it's also, we've had Kanya on here, who's a man. And just have them talk about how trauma has played out and just share that deep understanding of the body. And because sometimes I keep thinking as you're talking, you know, you will think you'll get this, this incredible education, get to the top. And you won't know why you're not moving forward. And then we turn around and we say, but it's witchcraft. Someone is holding me back. It's witchcraft. Whereas no. And then we'll say, no, it's even our family. We'll even start suspecting them. No, your family has bewitched you, quote unquote, in some ways. But it's not in the way that you're thinking. It's just that we've just all carried trauma from generation to generation and now it's playing out you know so this is so this is so so important to understand or else we'll be thinking but why am i not moving ahead my friend is moving ahead why am i not moving ahead why is my friend getting paid x amount why can't i get paid x amount and then we think no man definitely something happens to me when i go into a negotiation scenario why can't I negotiate? People are doing something to me. Nobody's doing anything to you in most cases. It's that the reason why you can't talk, why you freak out, that is trauma. That is your nervous system going completely ham. So that's when you're like, yes, I'll take whatever I'm given. It's, that is trauma. It is that deep. But also like, as you're speaking, Vangile, what I'm, what's coming up for me is that 
it's so interesting. Trauma is such a complex thing. And it, I find it very interesting that sometimes mm. someone else might be sitting and thinking, oh, well, I've never had a upbringing that hectic, you know? So mm. for example, for me, so with the work that I do in villages with um, the women who work there, like who live there and, and with black women, is that there's this thing of, uh, you must know your place and you are not and you are not given space to say anything you're not you're not you're not important except when you're contributing so bring even within our families younger oh my god you've just taken me you've just taken us into a different space as well like even within families People need your money for funerals, your contribution, but you're not going to be sitting in the meeting. Like it has nothing to do with, like there are these mm. subtle ways which are non, quote unquote, non-violent. Sure. That we experience as black women. Yes. Or even as, um, in the boardrooms, in these corporate spaces where we are spoken of, that too can be traumatic. Yes. And that, and, and we can internalize not good yes. enoughness from being in those spaces. Whew. You've just said it, hey? My oh, gosh, you've just said it. A big, oh my gosh, I was beaten to hospital. Yeah, you might not be able to relate to that, but our, our existence as Black yes. women, women of color, globally. Yes. Globally, the yes. existence of women of color has always been tied and they value. Yes. their ability to birth kids and their ability to do the absolute most being the absolute a- most i mean we even have sayings like we have to be twice as good to get half of what they have that implies that i am not good enough until i am working twice as hard why is it that my presence is not enough just as I yeah. am. So already your presence has to be double doing the most. You now have to, we call our ancestors when we go into boardrooms. Now we travel, we come as one, but we stand as many. Now our ancestors are also doing work in these spaces for us. Like it's a lot. One of my friends actually said something funny. And she said, you, you realize that as a black woman and as a black person, even as an ancestor, there's no rest for you. So even in death, you're going to be working for the next generation. I was like, please don't remind me of this. <laughs> this is deep, but it's true. <laughs> Honestly, so this is why I'm just like, this is why I was just like, oh my gosh, I see this. I saw the par- when I started doing this work and when I started um, just doing the coaching, um, yeah because then I was like deliberate in, okay, there are certain areas of my life where I need uh, mm. to be supported and held space for. And I started yeah. to coach with different women that assisted me in those areas to yeah. grow and expand and to heal and etc. And then yeah. I started, because now I was learning about these things, I started mm. to see the parallel, the parallels between sure. the, the projects that I'm doing with black women in the communities Mm. And the woman that I'm working with in the city. 
Yes, because you also work with, because we're not talking a lot about the work that you do as a coach in corporate, right? And now you're also taking clients individually outside of corporate. So that's where you come in with this corporate knowledge. Wow. This is so, so deep. So tell us more about these parallels between women, because you know, people just always think that being from the village, man, I always get like so fra with people in the city, so frustrated because they tend to think that the village is this weird, wild space where people don't understand things. And I'm always like, but I am from the village. I am a product of the village. You are a product of the village, right? So what parallels are you seeing between the village and the city? And also just interestingly, I would love to know what parallels you see from women who grow grow up in the space in the village, not necessarily with the abuse. And then they go into the city space, how does that affect them? Because I'm sure that has a huge impact on their not good enough wound. So the, just like the general one um, mm. would be, for example, like I said, in the boardroom, you will get spoken over. Like if you're a black woman who's worked in corporate, you will know this too well. Um, and no one is going to hear you. And your opinion is not going to be enough unless they think, even as a professional, um, having worked in a male-dominated space, even as a professional, the men, and sometimes um, not like not black men will, but just like generally the men will come with this entitlement of, oh, we need coffee, and everyone will kind of look at you and you're like, excuse me, what? <laughs> Are you so, kidding? Well, there's this like the patriarchy <sighs> is everywhere, right? And that patriarchy problem that leads to women have having so we are black number one so uh we are oppressed as black people globally because we live in a white supremacist world right but Mm. also that we the world on top of being white supremacist it's also patriarchal so that's just an just like an added bonus on top of everything yeah yeah (laughs) Well, and then patriarchy and this white supremacy shows itself in different ways in different places. Mm -hmm. So it's always in the village, it's in um, the boardrooms, but it's always there and it shows itself in different ways. So Mm -hmm. um, what I've been seeing, for example, uh, with the women in the, it's that we don't feel like we have something, we start to Mm -hmm. internalize the fact that we don't have something worth of value to bring to the table in yeah. our discussions at yeah. home because no one is inviting us there and even when yes. we are invited there it's like fuzz yeah i mean people utter those words today yes. in um wow. not in the village and they were like no you must bring an uncle or you must bring a brother do you not have a husband i'm like but huh. when did no. You know, it's still a thing where we are sidelined and we then internalize all of that. Yeah. And we start a position, quote unquote, mm. yes. that we in, which yes. causes us to make ourselves small. Mm. 
and play small and be invisible mm. and not participate. Mm. Mm. And in all of the midst of this, we are constantly doing so much work for other people. Oh. So much. So much. This is why, as you're talking, I'm realizing, but this is why Black women are so hardworking because we, because the thing is that not good enough wound itself also puts us into proving and validation. So you're constantly proving yourself. I've always said, like I say now to students and clients, as you know, if people are asking you to prove yourself, just be like, I'm out. Because if you called me here and you want to work with me, that means that there's something that you have seen. But now you want me to do extra work, jump through all these hoops to prove myself. That is so like, that is so traumatic. It's re-traumatizing to black women in particular, you know? And yet we all fall into that trap because it works with our not good enough wound. It just slots right into that wound to, oh, you'll start at half the price today. And then if we like you and you do a good enough job in three to six months, we will get you up to the normal salary. No, because I'm going to be doing the normal amount of work. Please pay me the normal amount. But then we all often what we do is we take it. And what do we do? We don't just do the normal amount. We do double the amount of work because we're trying to prove ourselves. I mean, also just in a world that already is paying black women. Yeah. The least. The least is the least. Free work. They start in a world that's already paying you the least. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why for me, this is so abusive. And this is why I'm so in favor of the work that you do, particularly focusing on the not good enough wound. I love that you're focusing on this wound in particular for women of color, because what we're not understanding is that the world already thrives on that wounding, already comes at us from that, that Oh, they'll word it so that we prove ourselves, we jump through hoops, we do the very most, et cetera, et cetera, right? And so we then play into that because we already, that is a language that speaks to that part of us that is wounded. So then we get attracted to that and we're like, yeah, I'm going to prove myself. Definitely. They think I can't do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to prove myself. And I'm always like, you know, there's an easier way to do this. You can just go to a place that doesn't require you to prove yourself. That isn't telling you you can't do it. That isn't asking you to start at half price. That is just seeing you at where you are. Doesn't require you to do the most. Just loves you as you are. But we get attracted to these places that I want to say abusive because they work with our trauma wounds, you know? Mm -hmm. And the not good enough wound is so deep, you know? So exactly what you've just said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what else it happens, it's, a, it's such a rookie cycle because then black women don't rest because yes. now we out ourselves, na, 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 na. Yeah. We don't achieve balance. So we're not there for our kids. We don't, we can't Amen. take And the, all of this comes from the not good enough wounds. And as a yes. result, it's illnesses. We not we yes. don't even have time like black women even in corporate don't have enough time for themselves like yes. gyms 
yes. making your own nutritious meals. Yes. We struggle with high, um, with high, um, like the statistics are incredibly high for Black women, especially in Black community, in, in, in Black communities um, with diabetes and all these health-related yeah. issues. Yeah. So it's not only just that, but it's just all these other things that come from this it's one sense of everything. And then once you start to heal that, which is a part of the work that I do and I've been doing, you really start to shift. Yeah, you really, really do. It, 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 is, it is so interesting that you can start to take some time off and start saying no to all these free projects, raising <laughs> yeah. yourself and yeah. salary. I kid you not. I know, and that will be my next question about like how when we started working together and you started healing the not good enough wound and you just started working on yourself. Let's just jump right into that. How has your income changed? And I love what you've just said. And how have the amount of hours you work changed? Because I think that we tie income to more work. So tell us. So you've tripled your income. So, um, number one, I don't even, like, I, I definitely don't work the same number of hours anymore. And also, yeah. I just realized that all the work that I used to do wasn't even, it was just the getting, being busy. Yes. So, excuse me, sometimes when, when you are deliberate with mm -hmm. your time, you start to realize that, oh, actually, I wasn't even mm -hmm. doing anything important. I was just busy being busy. Yeah, boy. You know, because that's yes. what I need to be seen doing, right? Yeah. I told you the story of how um, my dad was such a strong workaholic, strong work ethic man, and mm. he would wake up. So he grew up um, in a household where they used to work on his dad's farm. So yeah. his dad used to be up at the crack of, dawn, crack of dawn, and they would have to work, and blah, 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 all of those things. So he still was in the, I mean, this was the 90s, and he was still like, wake up, wake up, um, get busy. Like, uh, why are you chilling? Do you not have anything to <laughs> yeah. So the joke in the household was that whenever we could see his, one of us could see his car coming, act busy, guys, act busy, because this guy is going to find something for you to do, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're not even being productive, quote unquote. Yeah. You're just acting busy. Right, yeah. because this is what society needs to see a woman doing. Like, I mean, yeah. even love in black um, societies is like, oh no, but how are you gonna find a husband? But anyways, so um, <laughs> let's not forget that with the three foot parts and yeah, like who's gonna marry you if you are not waking up and cooking, if you are not doing all these things and just busy. Yo, guys, we even have to pay for love. Please just, no, I can't. <laughs> money, be a strong black woman, bring in the money, bring the kids, bought the kids, take yeah. them to sport. Be a woman, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's what you Like, wow, it's so <laughs> traumatic. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so what I started doing is that uh, when we started doing the work around um, specifically not good enough about <coughs> sorry and about like also just around my uh, childhood trauma yeah. um 
and linking that work to money and the goals that I had for money um, yeah. and doing challenge that you host, which is like incredible. The um, income challenge, guys, which is in the Money Magic course, hint, hint. It is. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Uh, so which is in the bank uh, account challenge, you know. Um, yeah. I then was just like, okay, so let's see. How do I want to work? You know, how yeah. do I feel like it's work for me? And like, I, I mean, I had recently told you um, that um, I had just signed up to uh, a coach who does a do less sort of type of thing. But anyways, yeah. I was starting to really be intentional about not working as much and not working yes. as hard. Um, yes. But wanting to see how it was that I could start growing and expanding financially, right? Mm. And then um, started working less, breaking down what it is that I absolutely needed to do. Where mm. could I free Where would it better be spent delegating the work to someone else? Yeah. Um, this is me, you know, holding my time up doing all of that work, which ultimately doesn't really give me the returns that it makes sense, you know, for me yeah. to be doing that and resting and going to gym and going hiking and finding space for all these things that fill me up. Yeah. But not only that, but like, so doing the work in that sense and doing all of these things, I yeah. suspect has moved me vibrationally because the people I speak to yes. in terms of my pricing, because I no longer have issues with that. So <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> Do you have issues? Wealthy Money course has got resources. Yeah. Like, it literally is like a Bible, guys. So, like, everything <laughs> in the middle of the night, it's a panic attack about this. Like, you can literally, without waking Zangile up, you can quickly go online and find a resource to just center yourself. Yeah, this so, is true. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter what you're experiencing at the time, you know? Yeah. So, I was just like, I would um, use that information as well and those resources yeah. and find myself to be able to be at a place where okay cool this these this is the work that i'm creating i'm yeah. doing of the i work on projects that i want to work on but also yeah. i'm just with the people who want to work with me on those projects mm. you know they get it they get the value that i bring but yeah. also so i don't have to over explain um, over explain and I think we've been taught that we need to over motivate every time anytime anyone comes to me and does that even by email explain your course to me do this I'm just like here's the link if you don't understand you can ask some questions but please do not ask me to do an entire emotional labor everything is on the site everything is on the course and when they get me into that space mm -hmm. of wanting i need to over explain i pause i take a step back and i'm like maybe they're not my ideal client yet for now so yeah so what you've just said is so powerful often we're taught that you need to again it comes from the not good enough wound right like you need to prove yourself to the client but what if you don't have to when I started healing, just like you with the not good enough wound, I stopped trying to prove, stopped trying to motivate for my clients. I just showed up as is 
And even now, if you look at a lot of my content, it's like, are you ready to do this? Is this resonating? Because I'm trusting that, you know what? I've done so much work energetically that I am beaming to the people that want my work. I don't have to manipulate. I don't have to over-explain. I just have to be me. And that's when the magic really starts to happen because that's when you get your tribe. You get your people. You get the projects that make you come alive. And I mean, to be, that, that has also just been one of the benefits, truly. Um, and I think you said something to me um, in a coaching session this one time that, um, that stuck with me for a very, that will probably stick with me for a very long time also. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just around what if the people that you want to work with Mm-hmm. are ready to work with you you don't need to convince them you don't need to show them you don't need to when you speak of the not good enough wound and the way mm-hmm. the, the different ways in which it impacts us and they just get it they just like yeah. i i yeah you know and that really shifted a lot for me because i was just like whoa um yeah. this entire time like also this conditioning of just having to prove, having to prove, yeah. having to, you know, the entire yeah. time, like convince people. Not, yes. Not right. And that's why you see a lot of us go to get the, we need a degree. We need a certification. So even though you know the knowledge, you've got it. No, but I need this extra certification. Then I need this certification on top of that before I can even start, before I can even work with anyone else, because I need to prove to people. No, you know, like, what if you as you is enough, just as you are, you are enough and your people will look at you and sense that and be like, this is my person, I need nothing else from her, just her. And ultimately, those are the best clients. Those are the most awesome clients that we all should want to work with. But we go into proving mode. And guess what? That's when we end up with awful clients that want us to keep proving because that's how we got them. You know, we were proving ourselves. So they insist on us constantly proving ourselves to begin with. Um, I mean, the interesting thing about the concept of just constantly buying into, excuse me, the scam of having to constantly prove yourself mm-hmm. is the fact that it's not in your control. Like they, it's, you can't measure how much proving you need to do for them to be satisfied. Mm. What if they never, you know? Um, and I mean, as someone who has experienced childhood trauma in the way that I um, explained, what was yeah. interesting is that you could do absolutely anything. Like, yeah. I do my hardest at school, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Just for one, okay, well done. And then the thing is, it's just that one well done that keeps you wanting to do that more and more. Like you never yeah. get really what you're looking for. So yes. it's yes. honestly not even worth your attention to be put, putting yourself in that position. And it's really- exhausting. It's so exhausting, hey? Like this, 
I remember when I would, when I was doing the proving mode for people, like to get clients, to build wealthy money. And that's when I got, that's why I got off. Cause I was like, this is exhausting me effort. Let's just try a different way. But when I was on that trend, I wanted to, I must do A, B, C, D. I need to do the most. I must be my most innovative. What am I going to say today? That's going to just wow people. Oh my God. And then it's like, I, I noticed that I was slowly moving further and further away from what my soul really wanted to say, what my soul really wanted to do. So I was actually, I started a business with the hopes of being in alignment with my soul and to follow my soul and not to have to follow corporate values or anything else, but to do something that I felt was in line with what my soul was trying to bring through. And instead, what I was then doing is exactly that. I was in proving mode. And to prove myself meant that I had to be living according to other people's standards. You know, instead of, yeah, because they set the goalpost of what is good enough, right? So I'm trying to measure up to that goalpost, but it never comes, but that's not what my soul is here to do. So it was constantly taking me further and further away from my purpose, which is why I got off that treadmill. You know, I was like, let's try a different way altogether. So, and just like you, what shocked me was that the different way once, as obviously it's hard, um, I'm not making it, I, I feel like we may make it seem easy, but as you do the work around not good enough, it help, it becomes easier to take the different way. What often happens when we're reacting from the trauma space, why we will come back to the treadmill because we haven't healed to the, oh, we haven't healed the trauma. So we'll get off and come back on, get off, come back on because we're still not fully healed. But as we start to really go deeper, start to heal the trauma, what often happens is we are able to completely get off the treadmill. And that's when you're like, I'm done with the proving. It's like, it just can't continue, you know? So that's so, so powerful. And I just... The, um, the healing work, which is something that I just want to um, put out to someone who might be listening, right? Um, yeah. It's so layered. Yeah. So it, like, it, I don't believe it. There's, you can ever be at a point where you've arrived. You know? This is true. Very oh, true. Yeah. And you start yeah. to see shift. Yes. You go layer and you start to see a shift. You go past, Amen. even if the shift is just your awareness. Yes. Also impacts and influences your behavior. And yeah. you go what you've just said Yanga because it's like you said you started on the not good enough wound like in 2015 you started with therapy you've been working on it 
I, st I started on not good enough and vows of invisibility and the mother wound and the father wound, like about in 2011. Doesn't mean I had, I've had brilliant coaches, you know, just like you, right? And the truth is what happens is that you go from layer to layer to layer right? It's not, and what I think we come from a society that says, well, I go into this and in one month, I'm going to be totally healed. In another year, I'm going to be completely healed. No, because I always say to people, if my inner child and my inner teen experienced abuse for 17 years, how, do, like, in a year, it's going to be very difficult to unlayer 17 years of programming that then affected me throughout my 20s. And luckily, I started doing the inner work and coaching in my mid-20s. So thank God. But then like up until my mid-20s, before I started doing the work and getting my own coach, then like, and I also had therapy, right? I had a psychologist at the age of 14, but it's still all those layers are still there and we're still going back to them because it's not like abuse happened, like had a schedule, like my mom will just abuse me on a Saturday. So like, it's just Saturdays. It was like any time of the day was go time. It could happen like, for hours in a day, some days nothing is happening, I get a reprieve, other days something is happening, and those prolonged periods, it was hard for my nervous system to integrate all that, to digest it, to heal it. So now it's like I'm still trying to digest these millions, and there are millions of them, I'm sure, because so much happened right like how many hours was I spending at home up until I was 17 all those millions of incidents I'm trying to digest and all of them my inner child my inner teen my subconscious mind has um, basically um, digested or programmed itself in a particular way because of those incidents and now it's and it's wired itself in a different way, physically, you know, and energetically. And now it's trying to unwire. But also not only that. So as we do the work of like trying to heal all those 17 years, like you say, mm -hmm. we still don't exist in a vacuum. We still yes. society in the context. Yeah. Women of color are treated a certain type of way. So yeah. we can't re-traumatized yes um, systemic um, yes different ways that we are excluded amen yeah that you cannot afford to not be doing the work at any point in your life yeah like your friend i mean even when you're an ancestor <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like literally most of us are doing the work now so that future generations don't call on us all the time in the afterlife so that we can just rest and take a break. Because now we're calling on our ancestors a lot and doing the most, waking them up and everything because they don't get to do the work. So now mm -hmm. they have to co-do the work with us. <laughs> I mean, like we laugh about this, but this is actually the truth. 
because they didn't do the work. Now we have to do the work and they also have to come to the party. So no, sir, you don't get to sleep. No, ma'am. You know, you are coming here to help heal the next generation. But as we do this work, we may get like some time to rest. You know, we may be like that ancestor that's just like, yeah, we did it when we were alive. We set things right for future generations. So we're called like 5% of the time and 95% of the time we're doing our own thing in the ancestral realm because I sure hope to be that ancestor. I'm like, please guys, like I'm doing the work for future generations now. <laughs> so Yanga, how has your uh, relationship with money and letting money sit in the bank changed? Because when you started, you were telling us how like, as soon as money came in, you would spend it. How has that changed as you started to heal? Um. So definitely now, like for example, a, couple, a month ago, a month and a half ago, um, yeah. my partner and I actually invested in a very big project, um, exciting project, we'll keep it a secret, but like, yeah, um, yeah, invested in a very big project. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I would have never been able to dream that yeah. I that I would have been able to, you know, raise the capital to invest yes. in this, you know, and yeah. nothing about my story, nothing about my background had said that I could play or even think that I could play that big, right? Because yes. what I realized is that it was also just limiting my imagination mm. and how, what I could and couldn't do in the world. People like, yeah, you could be an entrepreneur, but like, you know, like, <laughs> apartment yana santon or wherever yeah. and like driving and you know yeah. and then like to really really think and dream about owning something that i could have I've, I've, i don't know anyone in my friend circle owns and then it could yeah. or anyone that i've met personally you know it's yeah. probably somewhere boss of a boss of someone else then yeah. i was just really has changed my way in that way and yeah. i think also same time um it's also changed the fact that because i'm able to now let money sit in my bank account mm -hmm. um it helps in it, sorry not only does it help in investing like being able to invest haven't yeah. been able to well, i haven't focused so much on saving more now because of this like investment that's just gone out but yeah. um definitely um helping me be believe that I'm worthy of being pay, paid the full value for my yes. service and yes. um, for what I bring, you know, yes. um, and also just not the money. It's not only just the money, but like the beliefs around it, you know, mm -hmm. that's a story to my, to my trauma and to my experiences with money. That yeah. has shifted a wow. lot. Um, wow. And some of my business associates about some of the work that I do. I just realized that, oh my goodness, I think so differently about money. Yeah. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm joking, but like, I, I, um, I think very differently about money, about how yeah. to make money, about what is keeping me back from holding, from information. Because like, um, sometimes I know other women are like, oh no, but why would you charge that? And yes. I realize that 
that's no longer a thing for you right yeah. yeah like i know i know what you what you mean about that it's like yeah guys no that i remember times like times when um recently i can see myself i'm like but that actually should not be the hurdle like that amount of money cannot be the hurdle to stop us from getting from here to here you know and that's where the shifts around money come from i think once you realize that i think as we start to heal our own traumas it's like money stops being the hurdle between us and our dreams or between us and going for the things that we want and i think that we grow up in a society that has normalized money as a hurdle you know so that is so common but as we start to heal and start to shift because we start to change how we see ourselves you know and i think that's a big thing around healing it's not just um that we are healing ourselves is that trauma alters the way that we perceive ourselves the way that we see ourselves so if we have a not good enough wound which almost every woman of color has you know it's like because of societal things and all that we've just discussed it alters the way that we perceive ourselves in relation to anything and in particular in relation to money to opportunities to challenges to possibility once we start to change our concept of self and start to see our own enoughness and like you say tapping into our own magic and our own limitlessness well now you are looking at a being in the mirror that is magic and limitless you know <laughs> so anything becomes possible a being that is that understands their own magic understands their own infinity can now tap into tons of possibilities so i think that is the sadness of trauma and i think that's what is so critical about why we need to heal not just for us but for future generations because oppression multiple different types of oppression be it in our households and on a macro scale within our societies have altered the way that we perceive ourselves which impacts our ability to go after our income goals so healing can be is that profound thing that starts to even change how we see ourselves and our place in the world i mean totally um and also like with you saying that it becomes like i don't think there's an opportunity for any woman of color to not say that they want to take the work um because of like money for example yeah. because like you said that um the return on investment yes the return on investment yeah like suddenly once you start to heal and once you start to shift like honestly you are just like <laughs> why did i not do this earlier right i remember the first time i got a coach i mean i had no clue that there were such things as life coaches because i'd only known psychologists and therapists so i was like i had no clue that there were such things as coaches you know so then when i started working with coaches i was like 
dude, why are people not like doing this? And I realized that the reason why most of us don't take it on is because we grow up in a society that teaches us about savings versus investing for expansion. So we always like when we hear the pricing, we freak out. And then we think of what we're losing versus what we're gaining. So why for you and I, when we, when we look at coaching and courses, it's a no-brainer is because we have seen what the return on investment is. The doing the work and starting with the coaches and the courses and doing the healing, we've seen that, oh no, this is a no-brainer. The, the return is like so much more, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's why, but for most people, it's always going to be about, oh my God, the cost of this doesn't quite balance, but that's because of the society that we come from. And it's almost like we have to make that giant leap for ourselves. Every individual has to make that giant leap of faith for themselves to understand a return on investment. And for many people, it may take, for some people, it takes months. Some people, it takes a few hours, days. Usually for me, it takes days. Like I see a coach, I'm like, mm -mm, that's the one, days sorted, you know? But again, I've been on this journey a while. So I understand that it's an investment. So, and then for some people, it may take years and years because they just, it just doesn't compute because they haven't started the healing journey in earnest the way that we're talking about it. But once they do, then it's a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, Yanga, what are the three takeaways that you've had from coaching or coaching with me or from the Money Magic course that have shifted your relationship with money or your mindset around money? Okay, so... Um... So when you start to do the healing work, it's almost like you, you start to fall in alignment with who yeah. you are. Mm. And then your energetic vibrations, they just, um, how, how do I say, I don't want to sound too like, <laughs> like legit, your energetic vibrations starts to call your things to you. <laughs> mm. you know, your coins start to find you. Um, <laughs> no work, but like when you, when you start to fall in alignment with yourself, yes. um, when you start to really meet yourself and really start to live your truth and in true mm. alignment, energetically, I think there is something special that happens where you start to meet people and where yeah. the universe people who have different conversations with you um you start to know things that you previously didn't know that you just find and you yeah. just like oh okay i've got this idea and you start to really tap into your own limitlessness mm -hmm. and just your own magic and you really start to live from that place yeah of just yeah. really understanding how to asked to consult your higher self for how to do things, you know? Yeah. And I think the reason why I'm saying it might sound a bit woo is because I just realized that, oh my gosh, like if you, um, anyone has ever read the book, The Alchemist. Yeah, I love that book. Looking for books, no, 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 no. 
And then they find out it's at their backyard. I feel like for me, the coaching journey is literally that. So I, we live in this society that refers us to the external for everything. Mm. You're like, oh, than <laughs> <I>, me. <laughs> and it keeps holding space for you to go back to you, to go back mm. to you, to you, and you really, really start to learn to tap into um, that space. And you start to mm. trust that, you start to live from that space. And you start, as, and as you start to trust that space, you start to see, um, you start to see rewards and you start to listen to your intuition. And you start to realize that you have all these other gifts that um, the Western world doesn't really acknowledge, right? Yes. And that are there to sort of help, help us in our journey. It's almost like we were all born with the blueprint. Yes. And raised in a society that completely acknowledges that and comes with a fake map and they're like hey yeah here you go <laughs> this is so so true um i think that we have been taught that everything is external which is why it's so um it's so counterintuitive when when i say to people when anyone says to us listen to increase your income you may not want to work twice as hard in the traditional sense in your business but you may want to spend more time going within and healing the traumas within and then just maybe resting and taking a chill pill you know it's like oh my god there is no way people can't compute that because we're taught to hustle because counterintuitively it's that it is external out there i need to do more out there and then it will happen here and then like i see a lot of people even saying on social media you need to show people that you're working hard so that they know that it's not easy money like like nobody said it was easy people are just saying take a different route and that that route is healing and healing is not affirmations it's not visualization it's about going into the dark spaces and sometimes it will cripple you for a day and that's why it's the hard work in my view right it's not that you're going to hustle out there but you're going within and some of these things as you raise your hand yanga right it's like it may floor you for like a day, sometimes a week. I know you know that, right? I've been floored by some things for like a month, you know, but because of the healing work, things are happening. There's a growth that does happen externally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's not, it's not about the money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I know when I first did the course, I was like, okay, what is it about? <laughs> I'm like, okay, then what is it about? <laughs> yeah, so that's definitely... I'm going to take that as the second takeaway. It's not about the money because it really isn't. And I and I know like Clutching um, as you were saying that, she was saying the other time to me, she's like, Van, I finally get it after like months of coaching. She's like, I promise you when I started and then you referred me you uh, to the Money Magic course, I was listening to you tell me this is not about the money. And she was like, I literally signed up for the money. And this woman is telling me it's not about the money. <laughs> she, was, she was just like, 
well, I'll sign up to a money coach. I'm like, girl, are you kidding me? <laughs> and I mean, I used to, I was just like, wait, when are we going to actually see the spreadsheet? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, is this ever going to yield financial results for me? This is the thing. One of um, my other clients said to me, then, you know, you managed to more than quadruple my income without ever getting me to bring out a calculator. And I was like, that's because you already knew what was going on in your business. What were we going to calculate that you didn't already know? You've been running your business for a longer time than me. So clearly the fact that you've been running this business says to me that you know something about the business. So it's not about the money, you know? Honestly, like I say, we are we are so conditioned to rely on the external. So I was like, you yeah. know what? I have this money coach. She's got this MBA from the states. Like, surely, she- hey, we're going to have terminology. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to whip out Excel and do that. Meanwhile, it's like, nope, that is not the issue. And then you find yourself working less and making more. And it's like. I haven't once brought out a spreadsheet. <laughs> I want to make um, healing sound glamorous because sometimes it's excruciating. It you is. Know, you literally have to do work that sometimes takes you back to that little girl, yeah. you know, who was experiencing all of these things. Mm-hmm. And you, it, it, it literally brings it back to the now. Yeah. And it's, such a tough it's tough mm. it's um yeah. do that work but it's so worth it it is yeah. so worth it like i said it's not even just about healing um so that you can expand financially yeah. but it's all these other benefits that you get you know yeah. i'll just this thing as a black woman guys i think it's going to be a foreign thing i mean yeah have family care of and they just want to live their best lives rest sit in a hammock go hiking do whatever mm. it is that just to really own their time yes own their stories and what they want to do yeah yeah I, it's just like a gift it is such a gift that keeps giving because like yeah. even health like i say you start to see certain changes in your body when you mm. start to um physiologically yes truly just such a gift i talk about how expanding financially and being able to open the board like you know negotiate and your prices and all of that yeah but honestly like being able to accept yourself not feeling like you have to who you are like Mm. just really it's just so freeing it's yeah to really be like oh my god yeah I agree. Like, you know, with the panic attacks that I would have, I would wake up at like 3 a.m., 4 a.m., like shaking and panicking in my adult life. And I didn't know because I didn't know about trauma. We don't talk about it. So and that was such a small and simple thing. But how do you tell someone that that is something that you want to heal? And I thought I'm this just I'm just this freak of nature, right? Like I just wake up and I'm shaking and I can't go back to sleep. And then I have to will myself to sleep. 
And then when it started to decrease, where like now it's like I say, it's happening once a quarter or when I'm super triggered, but then now it's my sign that, oh, something is happening. There's another layer of trauma that's coming up. I need help with this and I need to figure out what it is. So now I'm using it as my signal, but that is priceless. These are, there's some things that you, there's no price to something like that. Like, wow, like I sleep throughout the night hello, priceless, like, <laughs> that's just a fact. <laughs> I mean, yeah. even, that's what I'm saying that it's a gift, guys. It's a gift that keeps giving because mm-hmm. you just spend financially, which is why you're here, but also yeah. at the same time, you have all these other benefits that yeah. um, you experience, right? And yeah. we're talking about like sleeping and waking up at night off. I remember I used to suffer from these dreams where I would just dream that like my mother is yelling and she's shouting and she's beating mm-hmm. me up. Um, and for in these dreams, something interesting would happen. So I would run away. And yeah. then as I run, like I would start to fly, like to yeah. escape her. And I don't yeah. know if it was me, just like a coping mechanism or what. Yeah. And then I would in that moment, I'd be like, shut. You know, and I'd be screaming yeah. and I'd tense. I'd be yeah. like, oh my God, oh my God. Sure. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I'm telling you, a partner of mine, and I had to explain this, that sometimes this is what happens, and this is why. And this is what I would, guys, if I was explain, I'm because, you know, because people are not understanding what is your deal? Like, what are you on about? Like, literally, like my coach has had me, like my relationship now has, my relationship coach now ha- has me explain when I go into relationships that, listen, dude, I have a thing about safety. These are the things that trigger me around safety. And this is why it's, this is the thing. It's like trauma changes us. So for what? For a normal person, what could be just a normal conversation, things going great, for me, could be taking me into the depths of trauma and re-triggering me and completely shutting me down. So this is why these conversations have to be had. So I agree, but like I've also found just like you that the more that I heal, the less I have to do have these conversations because now I've healed, I'm starting to integrate that. I now also understand my traumas and my triggers. So as I see them coming, I'm able, I don't get hijacked by that inner child or inner teen and completely lose it and have a meltdown. I'm able to step in as the adult and say, whew, okay, I need a minute. I am currently triggered please just give me a few hours and we'll come back and have this conversation without me having to completely lose it and having to explain a whole bullet point list. <laughs> so again, things that are so priceless, you can't even, you can't explain this because now you're almost a normal human being. You know, <laughs> It's like, this is exciting to me and it's priceless. So yeah, no, I get it. This is the thing with healing. It's, I guess this is what you mean when you say it brings you back to yourself. Like it brings you back to, I imagine what, who you were originally as a soul had you not been so deeply wounded, you know? And also just, um, I think there's a transgression mm-hmm. to our soul. 
Yeah. When we keep denying ourselves. Oh, that's deep. Yes. Yes. There's a, there's a transgression to our souls when we keep denying ourselves. And yeah. I also think there's a transgression even to our ancestors when we keep yes. denying ourselves. When there's yeah. a transgression to the universe. Yes, I agree. I agree your, with this. And you keep denying yourself every single time. So yeah. it is, and I mean, you do it to survive, right? Yes. I mean, almost everything we do is to survive. That is so true. But also, uh, this is why like, I appreciate the way that you deal with trauma like this, particularly yeah. with Black women. Because Black women don't want to have these conversations. There aren't any spaces yeah. to have these conversations. And for yeah. someone to hold space for you. And yeah. for you to go through your healing process. Yeah. For someone to hold for you in this way. Yeah. Um, I've mentioned to you before, I mean, I've, I've coached with a number of persons in South Africa, mostly outside of South Africa, because some of this work, just, yeah, like it, it wasn't, I don't think it's reached us yet. I think we really still are, you know, um, that whole, okay, cool, bring a spreadsheet, write down five bullet points. Of your trauma, yeah. but just saying, okay, cool, these are the issues, and yeah. it's in, on a surface level. Yes. Which is, is so important because it really goes deep, right? Yes. It goes deep. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really deep, going there to that dark place. That yeah. And I think a lot of coaches, and I notice, um, there is this fear of going into the dark spaces, right? And I wouldn't recommend it because you know, having worked with me, the like if you are not, if you don't know enough about trauma and this work and you don't know what you're doing, it can be incredible because you go, you can open up past life portals, you can open up ancestral portals. Or the other thing is that your clients can have intense physical experiences. I mean, wow, you and I have had like a lot of interesting sessions where like there is a lot happening physically, you know, and to be able to help a person transition past that nervous system response is also super important so that we don't, and I think I'll always say this, this is why my working with women of color I don't have a time limit because trauma doesn't have a time limit. If my client's nervous system is going berserk, there's no way I can leave them with a nervous system that is now completely heightened, completely open, where we are not ending the trauma loop. Because often that is also the important thing is that we need to end the trauma loop. And there's a lot that happens in sessions that opens up trauma in the body and the nervous system and our entire body goes haywire so we need to do work on the body as well so it's so so important yeah 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 and 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 that's a thing right so um i just found that a lot of the so at least now there are spaces where conversations around trauma 
yeah. is, is happening. Um, yeah. I mean, I that I do uh, um, food trauma, for example, like she yes. deals with. So at least now um, we there are coaches who are accessible to yes. help with around the different types of traumas and how it affects you in different ways, right? Yeah. And I just find that to me because I just I'm just like oh my gosh. Are all my problems under the sun trauma related? (laughs) Often, yeah. I'm like, are these all my problems? You know, (laughs) it's so important for me to do what because also like through my own research and through my Mm. own work of coaching with all these coaches, I'm just like, oh my goodness! I was trying Mm. to lose weight after I gained 30 kilograms of weight when I was. Um, in the worst that I'd been in terms of like my mental health. Um, So I found a food trauma um, coach and he also did put me back into terms of like just dealing with the trauma, the story and that sort of thing. So like now also just working with another coach who is dealing around the trauma of working too hard. And that's something so you really need these resources and you really need all these people to hold yeah. space for you, to yeah. solidify the areas that you want to focus on and, yes. and, and grow and learn, you know, yeah. and continuously be evolving and continuously becoming better. I mean, it is so interesting to me, um, the knowledge that is available in terms of how women can optimize even like their physio- physiological bodies yeah. for, for manifesting, if you will. Yeah. 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 No, I love all that you've said. And just like you, right? Like I've just mentioned that I've got a relationship coach. I've got, um, I've got a trauma coach. I've got a business coach. My trauma coach is also my business coach, but then I have a like completely separate business coach who doesn't do trauma work, but does, um, more work around um, asking very your traditional coaching questions and I don't want to say traditional coaching questions because she's actually so phenomenal she asks like emotional questions that get you to go deeper but basically your normal coaching model around business and then like sometimes she'll trigger me then I go to my trauma coach and I work with them all consistently throughout like constantly so it's not like I'm just working one month with this one one no like I am seeing these women consistently every month and that's because different aspects of my life call for different types of support you know so my business coach definitely maybe she could do relationship coaching who knows I don't know she probably doesn't know but my relationship coach is informed in that, that she works with my trauma around relationshiping, be it friendships, be it work-related, be it romance. That's what she works with with me. That's what she works on with me. And I can see how phenomenal it has been. So there's different support systems and there's no harm in actually having all these support structures. I also have a fitness trainer, you know, like I'm not a fitness junkie or fitness guru. So like she gets me to do stuff. Like Lungi will say random things like, give yourself 20 seconds of courage. 
we're doing a fitness thing, but it works, you know, because she knows whatever the heck she's doing to work with my mind to make me believe that this requires courage, you know? So it's that. So I love that you've just said that. They're like all these support systems, they help heal us and heal us in different areas of our lives. So I really recommend that. Yeah. yeah. So younger, someone has been listening and is like, oh my God, I need to contact this woman. This woman, my good, my not good enough wound is on steroids. By the way, guys, I am fully booked for one-on-one coaching. Yanga is taking one-on-one clients. Contact her. She is doing trauma work around not good enough. We've just had a whole session on not good enough. How do people reach you for one-on-one work? So um, I've just started being on social media just so that uh, people can so on instagram i am deliberate with yanga y-a-n-g-a on facebook mm. i am yanga stearman um or yeah. you can pop me an email on yanga stearman 90 at gmail.com or yeah. at yanga at deliberate consulting.africa okay yeah. awesome thank you so much yanga this has been incredible and also just like i actually want to say something before i leave hey um in response to what you said just before that um one of the things that i really like about um coaching with you is the fact that you have coaches who are constantly coaching you (laughs) because um because of that i find that you're constantly tweaking and changing um the courses so the courses don't the same Yes. So there's constantly more value being added. Yes. As your own work. So that is something yeah. that I particularly love about yeah. um because I know that sometimes it's just like, oh now I'm a coach, I've arrived. And then it's just like if I took the course last year, I can't take the course this year because mm. you know. Yeah. Cause even for me, right? Like I'm constantly being push to the edge with my own coaches and I'm having insights. And what I also love about my coaches, right, is that they encourage me to create my own body of work around that. Because they'll be like, hmm, maybe you should go, oh, I see that this is an issue for you. Maybe this is what I would suggest you do, but maybe sit and based on your work, create something that will help you heal this particularly and then maybe you can give it to your students so powerful and honestly like you've been saying right like the value of healing and coaching isn't that I'm arriving it's that the reason why I have these coaches is because I am living in this world that is constantly as a black woman throwing microaggressions at me constantly telling me certain things about myself. So I need to be constantly working through that and healing that. And of course, some of the things land and they feel like such deep truths because they connect with the wounded parts of me. So even if those things are toxic to believe, parts of me will hold on to it and believe them because the external world is saying them, but they also hitting and connecting with the wounded parts. So those wounded parts bond with them. 
when I go into the coaching sessions with my coaches, it's like, wow, they help me see that this is actually not a normal belief to hold on to. It's not necessary. Can you please, can we heal it? Can we let it go? And that's where the aha moments come from. Just like having someone else who can hold that space and show us that actually what we think is normal is not really normal. And that there is no such thing as a normal belief. Like I know when I started a business, like it was, it felt normal to me to, you know, you get taught in the MBA program and even in finance that every business needs to make a loss for the first three years. So you're working from the loss and then you work hard. And so you, and you don't realize that actually you go into the business world with that belief that that is normal until I had coaches that are like, why is this normal? Like, why can't you just make a profit from the jump? It's like, it doesn't work like that. And then they were like, but says who? Because we normalize a lot of things that should not be normalized. And having coaches, having even a tribe where people are thinking differently is just life-changing because you start to shift the way you change and see the world. Uh, you start to shift the way you see the world. <laughs> Yeah. So thank you so much, Yanga. And thank you. So <laughs> yeah. And guys, I'm going to send you all of Yanga's details in the email, right? If you couldn't catch anything here of how to get hold of her, shoot me a message. I'll send you those details. And if you're listening to this and this is resonating with you and you're like, oh my gosh, I really want the constant resources of the Creating Money Magic course, lifetime access. I want to start working on creating an extra stream of income without uh, the narrative of hard work. And right now I'm working with the students to create a stream of income that allows them to make 40,000 Rand or $2,500 a month. So if you are not yet there, this is a great start. And if you are, you join the course and then you instantly work on doubling your current income, especially with the income challenge and also the bank account challenge, life-changing. So if this is resonating with you and you are so ready to get started then definitely check out wealthy-money.com forward slash money magic again wealthy-money.com forward slash money magic if you're watching this on facebook or on youtube you or even on instagram you will find all the details in the description so just look at the description below uh, this video and the link will be there or above this video wherever in the description the link to the money magic course will be there thank you guys i will see you next week with my next guest thank you once more yanga thank you so much Cheers. Have a good i hope you enjoyed this week's episode if you find this podcast helpful and enlightening, please can you do me a favor and go leave the podcast a five-star review on iTunes or leave a comment on YouTube. And of course, share it with your family and friends. I would really appreciate it because it would help other money magicians who are looking to change their relationship with money find this podcast, which would really make my day also 
As a bonus, if you're interested in changing your spending habits, I have a complimentary ebook for you. You can download it at wealthy-money.com forward slash workbook. Again, wealthy-money.com forward slash workbook. Have a fantastic day further and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Money Magic Podcast.